On this episode of Sea Level, I'm visited by my good friend Brad Thomas, the CEO of Irie and the author of The Trump Factor. So tell me, like, what exactly is a REIT? You're a REIT expert, so tell, tell, tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Well, first off, you got it right. It is REIT. You know, rhymes with beat, rhymes with sweet, all that. So I get that's the first misconception is how do you pronounce it? REIT stands for Real Estate Investment Trust. Uh, a REIT is a, uh, a, an investing vehicle, like a stock, essentially. So it's a, it's a real estate stock, a real estate security. Uh, the REIT laws were formed in 1960, so over 50 years ago, actually during the um, Eisenhower administration, uh, as part of actually the Cigar Act. And don't ask me why it kind of was, was uh, uh, um, you know, under the Cigar Act, but that's what it was. Huh. Uh, I guess there was a lot of cigars at the time right. that people were celebrating. But, <laughs> right. uh, but it was also the period of time in which President Eisenhower was paving the way, paving this country with infrastructure, with highways. Right. And so it's really interesting that not only did President Eisenhower pave the way for us to cross, drive across the country, but really he's paved the way for individual investors to get access to institutionally held commercial real estate. So that's precisely you know, how the laws or why the law was created uh, over 50 years ago so that individual investors could, um, could enjoy owning uh, a, a piece of the Empire State Building mm-hmm. or a mall or a shopping center or data center or a, a number of other, other uh, property sectors. So it's really designed for the individual investor, not the institutional investor. So that's really important. So the big, the big thing that I want to, uh, I guess, talk about with, as it relates to REITs and, and why this law was structured, I guess the most important um, characteristic for this REIT is they pay out, REITs pay out higher dividends than most ordinary stocks. Why is that? Because REITs must, by law, that law that was created again in 1960, REITs must pay out at least 90% of their taxable income. Most pay out close to 100% of their taxable income. So that means that most REITs are going to yield, that average yield today in the REIT sector in the U.S. is something around 5%, 45 to 5%, whereas right. the ordinary S&P 500 is, is about much less than, about half of that. So uh, a lot of retirees have really gravitated to this space because of the income element and, and really the, the flight to quality of income and the thirst for yield. Right. So that's what really makes this a really an important uh, asset class. Awesome. So, I, I mean, I've, I've invested in, in real estate. So um, I started out really young. Like I bought like my first property at like my early 20s, like 20, 23 or something like that. And then my strategy was like just buying up these, these properties myself, like single family homes and stuff like that, and then renting it out. So what, in your opinion, like what, for somebody instead of just buying up retail properties and, and renting them out themselves, what are some of the benefits that a REIT could provide that trying to manage everything yourself? Sure. Well, I did that too. Yeah. And I've had a lot of duplexes and a lot of, uh, of that type of property over the years. Yeah. And so you suffered the same thing that I suffered, which uh, we call the three T's. Mm. Uh, three T stands for toilets, trash, and taxes. Uh-huh. So those are the <laughs> things that you had to deal with as a landlord. Uh, that made it very frustrating. It's very stressful. Uh, it's hard to sleep well at night. Your phone rings all the time. Right. The toilet breaks. The roof roof breaks. A uh, number of other things. So I think that's really um, um, you know one of the things that that has really uh, made me uh, really my passion for this REIT space because there's a couple attributes that REITs have today that um, are, have always had uh, that differentiate themselves from from ordinary private stock. So first off, you have liquidity, because mm. when you have your, your houses mm-hmm. that you invest in single family or multi, whatever, multi-family houses, um, you don't have that liquidity. You know, mm. if you wanna um, sell that property, you've gotta go list it, probably take a broker, you gotta put it in marketing right. together, and then hopefully a buyer shows up with money, maybe the bank lends the money, so that's not liquidity. 
you know, liquidity is actually being able to sell that stock, uh, uh, you know, with the touch of a button at your at Charles Schwab, Fidelity, or whatever, right. and you know, getting that money instantly. So liquidity, uh, diversification. You know, your your real estate investments. You may have had I had you know 20 duplexes, but that mm -hmm. wasn't diversification. Right. I was in one town, right. uh, you know, and I had one asset class. Right. So with REITs, you can diversify, truly diversify across the country, across the world. Different types of businesses and, and everything. By properties, by geography. Awesome. Uh, and so forth. So I think it's know, all about diversification too. I mean, that's is. that's the biggest thing. It is. It is. And and again, I I think you know don't be confused. A lot of investors confuse owning real estate and owning REITs. That's two different asset classes, really. Right. Um, the third the third thing I think is important. The other attribute is the uh, uh, the governance. So you have your publicly traded companies with REITs. So you have the transparency. Mm -hmm. You have quarterly reports, annual reports. You have um, you know accountability within your management team. Right. Uh, things they have to do because the SEC will certainly uh, make sure they, that they're doing things right. right. So you don't have that with, with uh, companies that are not publicly traded. Um, and I think the, the, uh, the, 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 final, the final thing is just the consistency of income that these REITs generate over time. I and mean, with rental houses, again, you know, you may have a renter, but then if he goes out, you're gonna have to fix it back up, put right. some money back in, it's gonna right. cost money to fix it back up. Right. So I think it's just the predictability of this, of this sector is so much greater. And, you know, I've been on both sides of this. I used to build shopping centers and I built all kinds of commercial real estate back mm -hmm. in the past, still do that today. Yeah. But I really think it's important for investors to understand you know, the stress-free way of earning income and compounding wealth creating wealth, you owning real estate investment trusts. Right, and and you know, and the, and the thing, cause I had, and, and there's some investors out there like they're just starting out that are buying like single family homes. That's one door. Like that person leaves, your rent roll's gone and now you got a mortgage payment. So like, what I like about, about this strategy is like what you mentioned is like the diversification. Like there's many different businesses and many different, ge you know, geographies of where those businesses are, you're diversifying the risk right. and, and you know, you don't have to worry, then the management piece of it, you know, you don't have to, if something breaks, you're responsible here. It's like, you know, you could stay, you could stay diversified and focused without the big headaches of something happening to your investment. Sure. And look, I mean, I used to manage my own property and develop my own property yeah. and one thing I do today is I spend a lot of time meeting with CEOs and interviewing CEOs and management teams of, of various companies. There's about 200 uh, REITs in the U.S., which represents about $2 trillion of asset value, enterprise value, a trillion dollars of market cap. So there's plenty of options and opportunities. Right. But these, most of the management teams um, you know, do an excellent job. They do a much better job at managing real estate than I did. Mm -hmm. And I'd much rather just hand them my money and say, right. let's, you go do it. Um, and you do it better than oh, me. I learned that with like a rental market. Like I tried to manage like my first property myself and like, oh yeah, it was like a headache. It was like getting phone calls at two o'clock in the morning and it's like, who's got time for like, who wants to do it? I mean, there's I some agree. people out there that may, that may want to do that, but it's just so much easier to have somebody like manage, you know, manage it for you. Well, plus, plus you gotta understand REITs, uh, REITs own about 10% of all commercial real estate right. in the U.S. And so. commercial is great because that's long, term like most of the like if they're leasing out something it's long term yeah, most of the leases are long you know contractually long term some are short i mean hotels for example you rent by the day right so we right, cover right. all the sectors right, right. Um, across the country and and across the world um so yeah i think that's that's uh, really an important attribute but but those management teams really know how to operate those properties and i think that's that's a really really big key that a lot of people don't really you know come into play i mean mm -hmm. that you just you, you, you when you invest in a stock whether it's a reit or just an ordinary c corporation individual security, I mean, you're actually, part of that money that you're paying is to the management team for their job, for their salaries. So, right. You know, so that's why we spend a lot of time 
you know, meeting with management, make sure they're, you know, they're doing their job, and because that really has a lot to do with the outcome of that, of that, the success of that company. Right. And so that's important. So a lot of people don't, you know, a lot of people like are are learning about about REITs and stuff. And what's exciting for me is that there's a lot of different sectors. So talk a little bit about some of the REIT sectors that you can you can invest in. Sure. So we have really have uh, equity REITs and mortgage REITs. And mortgage REITs are more like banks. They don't actually own the, the, the property, the brick and mortar. They're like, they lend to it. So they have the mortgages. That's why they call them mortgage REITs. Uh, so we do cover commercial mortgage REITs, not the residential, but the commercial mortgage. But on the equity side of the, t- of the table, you have um, a number of equity REITs. And within those equity REITs, you have all types of property, sectors and subsectors, um, and actually on our website at iREIT, we have listed uh, all of those property sectors and how many of those companies are within those property sectors. So just to run through the list, and it's pretty massive, I'll try to keep it short, but yeah. we have the, I call the main, the main, uh, the core property sectors, uh, what I call kind of the primary food group, if you will, mm-hmm. which, you know, these sectors have been around a while. They're, um, you know, like retail and industrial and apartments, uh, those are residential. And then we had healthcare uh, really start to blossom about 10 years ago. So within the healthcare sector, you have a number of um, types. You have uh, medical office buildings, we call MOBs. Mm -hmm. You have senior living, senior housing. Uh, You have assisted housing, assisted living. Assisted living is more government pay, so there's higher risk to that business itself. We have life science, which is a really interesting space. It's all the pharma pharma companies that are renting all of their their spaces, very high-tech campuses uh, there. Um, You have hospitals, just pure, we call pure play or companies that just invest in, in hospital systems uh, across the country. So the, hot, the healthcare sector is very broad. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's really three big companies in there that, uh, that they're fairly diversified and they're somewhere, the largest one's around $20 billion market cap. Wow. So a lot of size there, and which means there's a lot of consolidation opportunities and uh, how, it's very highly, highly fragmented. Um, so then we move over to other sectors like the retail sector. You can subdivide that into malls and shopping centers and, and single tenant or net lease properties, which would be like a Wendy's or a Walgreens right. that you'd see driving outside. Right. Um, so uh, in, in the mall space, we have the, you know, the, the, uh, the A malls and we have the kind of the B and C malls. So we can kind of see today with this retail apocalypse, mm-hmm. I don't like to use that word. Right. Uh, liberal media uses yeah. it, but yeah. well, actually the media uses it in general. Yeah. But, but yeah, we are seeing a lot of uh, store closures today, but um, we still like some of these very high quality uh, A-mall companies like Simon Property Groups or Taubman Centers, mm. for example. So that's kind of the, uh, the retail uh, side. And under the how residential, we have certainly uh, traditional apartments. We have single family housing, which we alluded to earlier. Uh, and then we have uh, other subsectors called manufactured housing. Uh, some mistake that with mobile home parks. Mm-hmm. You know, we've evolved a lot over the years, so now we have manufactured housing. It's where they build um, inside the Exactly. Uh, the Warren Buffett stuff, is a good yeah. example of yep. uh, an investor who owns Clayton Homes. Right. Uh, so that's a proven business model and uh, really widely accepted. Um, and then we have a campus model where we have American, uh, American campus communities that invest in, in college campuses, and that's, that's really a great sector. Colleges really don't need to own especially these big universities, don't need to be owning the dorms. Right. They don't have an experience of going back to management, they don't manage these, right. uh, a lot of parties, all this. So yeah. having a professional- Lots of cleanup, lots exactly, of cleanup. A lot of cleanup, <laughs> especially when I was there. Yeah, um, right. We don't want to go there, I'm right, sure. Right. But uh, uh, yeah, so REITs are in that, in that sector as well. And then there are really some, some specialized names. Industrial, again, I mentioned, but then we have specialty names like uh, we have uh, casino REITs today. Mm-hmm. Um, we have got three of those that invest, you go to Vegas and you've got all those three casino REITs own. Caesars kind of spun into their own 
vehicle. We have MGM kind of spun into their on, on REIT uh, casino vehicle. We actually have prisons, uh, believe it or not. Wow. And this is a really political, debatable uh, sector, but it's, it's there. It's a, it's a real live sector and there are real prisons. And frankly, the U.S. government and the state governments don't need to be owning prisons, much right. like uh, the colleges and universities don't need to be owning um, those. The, 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 big, the big question mark when it comes to prisons, and I, I get it, depending on which side you're on, is I mean, do you really want to invest in a business that's actually, um, you know, um, you know, uh, making profits off people who are in prison. You right, know? right. Uh, and I've, I've titled a number of articles, Can You Profit From Prisons? And that's, that's a fact. I mean, you know, you can, you can invest in prisons that, that are profitable. But we certainly, uh, I think all these companies and just in general trying to discourage and, and get, get people out of prison quicker. And so you're seeing a lot of those rehab centers unfold and really trying to help, you know, make this uh, a, a better environment socially for people to invest in that space. Uh, we also have farming, uh, mm -hmm. which is an interesting space. Um, and land's been around since the beginning of time, right, last right. I checked. Right. And so, uh, but there's a lot of farming in, in, uh, in the U.S. And so these two REITs have the opportunity and they're taking advantage of that to consolidate it. Most of those farms are individually owned, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, you know uh, mom and pop type business. Right. Uh, and so you're seeing a number of those mom and pop farmers are actually selling their farms uh, to these REITs and leasing them back right. to them. Right. So that's been a really interesting uh, business model. Um, and again, it's, it's just uh, interesting, all the, all the varieties of companies. So I, I cover it all. I mean, our team, we've got uh, other analysts, including me, but we cover all of these different uh, property sectors. And what that gives for the individual investor like you is the opportunity to diversify. Mm -hmm. uh, and we try to put together you know, tactical investing strategies. Uh, we're not gonna say, hey, let's just go invest in everything, put, you know, right. do something, everything across the board. So today, especially in this market, uh, which is driven by technology. Right. Um, what's interesting here, I have this phone here in my hand, mm. and um, you know, so we cover cell tower reach. There's two of those. Huh. But you think about it, and this is the areas that we overweight. We really believe in investors should really allocate a lot of their capital in this reach space to this sector, technology. So you can invest in a cell tower company. Well then, uh, let's say I want to buy a pair of shoes today and we, we uh, go into Nike and we order a pair of, uh, let's say, uh, you know, LeBron James latest shoe, whatever right. it is. And, and then that, that data is going to be transmitted to a data center. Mm -hmm. Well then, we have data center REITs. We've got five of those that we cover. Um, and again, you see the demand, the growth of demand. I mean, that, that's the cloud. That, yep. The cloud is actually a building that's a data center. And then, we have the third piece of that. It's kind of the three-legged stool here, um, where we have logistics, also industrial buildings that 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 you know lease to companies like Amazon right. or retailers that are in the e-commerce business, and that's a high-growth area because right. you've seen all the demand for that for that space. So all of that's driven by these cell phones, mm. and really the 5G is amazing to see all the 5G growth coming to this country, all the fiber, all the small cells. Um, it's really an amazing business. So we're, we really believe there's, that's where the, the biggest growth opportunity is. Yeah. Um, Fastest so probably too, technology. It is, it is. And what you're seeing today is, in, in, at least in, in certain markets, is it's not, um, it's not as expensive. Some of those sectors are not as expensive as others. Um, so allocating capital to that space, I think, is critical for investors long term. Uh, you're going to see you know, close to you know, high single digit um, you know, uh, growth, earnings growth out of those companies but with very stable dividends mm -hmm. and growing dividends. So, um, you know, that's an allocation. Uh, you know, retail's, again, been beaten down really hard. So we think, you know, there's opportunity in those beaten down stocks. Right. Um, you know, there's a wide margin of safety. 
but you've got to be careful. So again, we're, we're very tactical in terms of allocating capital to those high quality companies. I mean, no question, malls across the country uh, are, are, are under attack. There's no question. J.C. Penney's, Sears has right. gone away. Right. J.C. Penney's, Bonton, gone away. Uh, and there's more to come. There's more ahead. But if you have the capital to redevelop those malls, and you could take a, a J.C. Penney's or a Sears tenant who's paying two dollars a vent, two dollars a square foot, or some ridiculous low rent, and you could convert it to say a Dick's Sporting Goods or an alternative or, or a, a, a restaurant row concept mm -hmm. or mixed use. You could do hotels. You know that that land becomes much much more valuable. So you know Warren Buffett has invested again in Seritage. They're one of the mall REITs. Uh, certainly recognizing there's a there's an opportunity to unlock value within the mall sector. But again, you've got to understand this is what we do is understand that those companies have the capital and what is their balance sheet, how are those balance sheets structured so they can grow their grow their shares. So um, you know it's a, it's a great business to be in and again I think over time you know uh, REITs have outperformed most every asset sector not every year but if you go back again going back to I said earlier in 1960 uh, really over the every every 10 years the REITs have pretty well outperformed all of the other uh, property sectors. That doesn't mean you should back up the truck and own Put all your money today when I walk out of here and reach. Certainly, allocating um, you know some of your capital and some of your resources makes makes a lot of sense, and especially because the power of compounding is the ultimate uh, catalyst for this for this sector. Because you can you know earn earn principal on top of principal. A lot of younger investors uh, reinvest. They have, most REITs have drip programs, so they can d directly reinvest those uh, dividends back into those uh, those stocks. Uh, and then, whereas a lot of retirees are, are you know, living off those stocks, that income mm -hmm. off those stocks. So, but, but compounding is very, very powerful. If you just own those stocks, put them in your safety deposit box, buy them at the right price, of course, mm -hmm. and then come back 10 years later and, and you'll see some pretty, pretty significant dollars in your, in your bank account. That's awesome. So there's like, there's something for everybody out there. There's, a, there's I mean, you have a lot of options, which, which makes it easier. You know, I mean, you can kind of pick and choose what what it, it is genre of flavor you want you it, know? exactly and again you have other other sectors you mean utilities anything in entertainment like movie studios or anything like that you know that's that's actually a good good idea I mean there's actually we, we've, we're thinking about some other categories that aren't you know readable yet and airports would be one example right. you, know, you think about there's never a vacancy at an airport right but you're right I mean entertainment I mean I'm, well actually let me go back there's actually a company called uh, well the previously they were called Interna entertainment property REIT, hmm. uh, and they abbreviated the name EPR so they invest in um, really uh, experimental uh, properties. So they're in their, their primary uh, um, tenant or, or really category is theaters. Mm -hmm. uh, they actually spun out of AMC. Mm. So their largest tenant is AMC. They've got all the Regal, all those, all those names. They've gone into now um, Top Golf. They're the largest golf for Top Golf oh, wow. in the country. Yeah. Um, they've gone into uh, water parks, amusement parks, um, and they've actually gone into the charter schools now. Um, and some of those categories. So uh, that's a really interesting company for sure, EPR, so that there is an entertainment uh, branded uh, company. But in terms of, uh, you, know, um, you know, different, I mean, everything today is, like I said, any, anything will qualify, you yeah. know, that as long as it's real estate. And, and, and really, the, uh, the IRS has, I won't say tested this, but, it, but they've agreed to let certain property sectors that I would have never imagined would have been uh, readable, mm -hmm. um, such as um, Energy, for example. There's a company we cover called Core Energy, and they actually own and invest in assets that are basically under, some of them underground, some of them not underground, but they're, they're um, uh, basically energy pipelines yeah. and, and those type assets, which are qualified as re assets. We have another company called Hannon Armstrong that invests in sustainable energy 
products. So all your solar assets uh, would certainly qualify, even thermometers, these large thermometers would qualify, lighting systems, which again are qualified. So uh, it's really, uh, really been an interesting sector. And I've had to, we've had to all learn, uh, you know, how those different property sectors operate because that's the ultimate way that we can assist our our uh, subscribers and investors is by you know understanding where those opportunities are within those those property sectors. That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, you've written a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have a really successful book, The Trump Factor. So tell, and you have other things on the horizon. So right. uh, tell me a little bit about what it was like, you know, developing the book, working with Trump, and and what you got on the horizon. Sure. That, that is kind of like when I think about the, the whole you know, Trump um, book and, and my relationship with our president, it's uh, you know, one of my favorite books as a child uh, was and still is. I have five children, so I, you know, this is a book I, my kids love too. As, uh, and I'm sure you remember Willy Wonka and mm -hmm. the Chocolate Factory. Oh, yeah. And, and um, you know, I, did, I didn't grow up in a one-bedroom house. I want to give my mom a lot of credit. <laughs> uh, she, she put me in one bedroom. But... You know, I, I grew up in South Carolina. I just would have never imagined that I would have got the golden ticket. That's kind of how it, how really my uh, life has really you know changed over the last ten years or so. Right. Um, part of my job, as I mentioned earlier, is meeting with uh, management teams and really successful CEOs in real estate, uh, trying to learn from their knowledge. Right. Um, and and so I've always wanted to meet. Uh, back then, it was Donald Trump. It wasn't President Trump. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I did. And uh, and that led to you know, a series of meetings and interviews and um, ribbon cuttings and grand openings and all this stuff that, and then eventually um, I decided um, that I wanted to spend two years of my life, it took me a little longer than I thought, but I wanted to basically visit every property that he owned in the world. Uh, I want to play at every golf course that he owned. I want to stay at every hotel that he owned. I want to go into every office building. And not just to say I've done that, but also really to understand what is that worth and how did he create the value within each of, within each of those individual assets. Right. I mean, I'm really, I'm a, I'm a part of my, you know, I'm wired to break things down and, and put them back together again. And I want to see, you know, what is this really worth? Because we've all seen, I mean, even, again, this was before, I published the book, by the way, two months before the election in 2016. Wow. Yeah. I was a race to get it there, yeah. but I got the book out, and um, you know it's it's pretty amazing because I, I would argue I probably know more about his real estate and his deal making and his you know what made him successful as a businessman than anybody because you know I've been around the properties and I've been around him and that's uh, that was really a big thing for me. So uh, since that time, I, I campaigned for him during the uh, uh, election. I serve on his advisory board for his campaign, and I'm currently in wor in the works for a. Uh, uh, another another book. So tell, 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 can you tell me a little bit about it or still under Yeah, I'm, I'm, all I, what I can say is yeah. I have got an amazing team. Yeah. The first book I wrote was my first book and I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. and, and by the way, I wrote another book too, which has been a very successful book called The Intelligent Read Investor. Mm -hmm. And that book is, uh, is extremely important for me because I lecture out of it at schools like Cornell and Johns Hopkins right. and Georgetown, among others. So that book is uh, really powerful is how to everything you want to know about REITs and I'm actually working doing a second edition with my co-author now Stephanie Cruz and Kelly a second edition of that book but back to the Trump book I have put together an amazing team um, so it's not just you know it's, I'm, I'm, I'm really doing it for for you know for, for the world to, to know what what does you know not what he's worth I've already done that in the first book yeah. how does that translate into what he's done in the White House mm -hmm. and what are those you know you know because we all know I mean he ran he won and he ran on a business ticket right. so the book is a business book number one 
I've got a, an army of people that are helping me do this, some of which I met on the campaign trail who are just really smart people. Um, and, uh, and there's some pretty interesting names you'll, you'll see in the book. But I'm really excited because I think that's, uh, you know, obviously there's another election coming up if you haven't heard. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think, uh, I think people really want to know uh, more about, you know, how he got it done and how is he going to get it done in the White House. And so, you know, look, he's, he's performed very well within the real estate you know, world that I live in, uh, across all those property sectors that I just discussed, um, you know, the economy is, doing, is performing very, very well right now. Investors should really be happy. Uh, it's bipartisan. You know, right. Everybody is creating the wealth of this country today. Right. And so uh, there's just a number of things that, that really excite me, and I'm excited to be working on this, this project right now. So and you touched on a whole bunch of things here, and I think you know, I, I always used to say like, you know, there's winning and learning. And I actually am learning to enjoy when I mess up because I'm learning more if I mess up because it ain't gonna happen again. Right. You're learning more than a lot of times when you're actually having huge success. Right. You know, so you're actually making yourself that much better during the time of, of when you're going through trials or you're learning from, from some of the mistakes that you had. And then the second portion of that, you know, family, the infrastructure, having a support system, whether it's your family or, or coworkers or, you know, boards, roundtables, stuff like that, people to lift you up when you are going through those hard times, it's, it's extremely important. It is, so. no, absolutely. And, uh, that's great. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's always a learning experience. I'm yep. trying to learn every day. I'm the, I'm the ultimate sponge. Yeah. Um, and, yep. uh, you know, I'm, I'm, hopefully I've made a lot of my uh, you know, subscribers a lot of money. And, yeah. and, but most importantly, I uh, helped them steer them away from losing a lot of money. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning into the episode. If you guys enjoyed it, show some love. Give me a thumbs up and subscribe. Also, make sure you check out our exclusive C-Level group on Facebook.